This is the Legacy United Methodist Podcast. Good morning, everyone. My name is Still Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Legacy. Whether you're joining us online, on television, or right here in the sanctuary, we're so very glad you chose to spend just a little bit of your August Sunday with us. We're in a series at the movies. We're finding God's grace in some of our favorite films from the last couple of years. As Methodists, we understand provenient grace. Provenient grace is all around us. God is trying to woo us into relationship with Christ through all kinds of methods, through our favorite stories, songs, and movies. Playing today at our theater is The Adam Project. Now, a quick note that this movie is rated PG-13. All of the clips we show and always show in worship, they're always family-friendly. But just so you know, in our own family, we use websites like commonsensemedia.org to determine whether or not a particular film or TV show is appropriate for our family for the age and stage of where our kids are at. Now this story dropped on Netflix last January. It's about a man named Adam from the year 2050. And in 2050, time travel exists. But the world is a mess. So Adam has to go fix the world. He needs to come back to our day to stop time travel from being invented to prevent this disaster in the future. Along this journey in 2022, Adam runs into his 11-year-old self. He runs into himself, a middle schooler, a small bullied middle schooler with asthma whose dad died in a car accident a year before. Their journey is to make it all right again before the bad guys catch up to them. That's a movie with great action sequences. There's fighter plane battles, sword fights that are really look a lot like lightsaber battles, and car chases. Now, what makes this movie unique are two things. First, if you've seen Ryan Reynolds in movies, you've seen him do this stuff before, except there is a dramatic and emotional depth that I didn't expect. I downloaded and watched this what I thought action movie on an airplane last January, and here I am on this plane watching this action movie, and tears are flowing freely from my face. I'm like, what gives Netflix? I downloaded an action movie, not a tearjerker. We see a different side of Ryan Reynolds in action. Second, in time travel movies, there is this rule, you never talk to your past self. You never talk to your younger self or bad things will happen. In this film, from the very first clip you saw at the beginning of worship, Older Adam talks to younger Adam right away, and there's no problem. The setup creates some of the most incredibly moving scenes in the entire film. Adam at 41 years old, talking to Adam at 11 years old. And that's where our next scene comes in. Older Adam carries much anger about his father's death, a car accident 30 years before from his perspective. Both Adams encounter their father in the past, they have very different responses from seeing him again. The older Adam is still very angry with him. The younger Adam, so happy to see his dad. And they have a conversation with, the, uh, with each other that sheds light onto their very different reactions. Older Adam's memories of his father have been distorted through anger and time. He literally adjusted memories of his father because he didn't grieve totally. He didn't let himself feel sad. Instead, he lets sadness be replaced by anger. Younger Adam has a different perspective. Those memories aren't distorted yet. They're still so fresh. He helped older Adam remember what it was truly like, face the truth, to help him start to move beyond his anger, 
to grief and sadness where healing begins. Friends, anger distorts and grief heals. It's the message of another great film, Inside Out, that sadness is not our enemy. Sadness is not our enemy. Sadness leads to healing. Anger distorts, grief heals. Now, in older Adam's thoughts, his mind and emotions locked onto anger and adjusted memories of his father to fit that narrative. We have incredible power to check our thoughts and behaviors, to change our thoughts and behaviors, depending upon what we dwell upon. What we let dominate our thinking absolutely shapes the people we're going to be. If we focus upon anger, anger is going to be the result. If we focus upon kindness and compassion, kindness and compassion will be the result. If we let ourselves feel sadness, sadness leads to grief that leads to healing. Friends, anger distorts, grief heals. What thoughts, what emotions are you allowing to shape yourself every day? What thoughts and emotions are in you constantly that are shaping the person that you are? Paul, the first century church planter, he wrote on more than one occasion in our Bibles to control what we think about. More than once in our Bibles, there is a reminder to think about heavenly things, to meditate on Jesus, to focus our minds on things that bring healing and hope and wholeness, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of each other as well. In his letter to the people of Philippi, Paul writes these words of challenge as he finishes the letter. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Say that with me, starting with fix. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why does Paul want us to do this? Because there is power. There is power in our thoughts. We are shaped. Our behaviors change by what we choose to think about and to spend our time upon. If we want to be people of truth, of honor, and doing the right thing, then we need to focus on truth and honor and doing the right thing. It is the power of choice in our lives. Will we let our minds stew on anger and bitterness, or will we focus our thoughts on things that are honorable and right and pure and lovely. We have the power of choice. We control our thoughts, what we let into our minds and dwell upon. Older Adam chose anger. Younger Adam chose sadness. We can't travel to the past, but we can change our future through the power of choice. What will you choose? What we think about matters. Because as we process our experiences in the world, we create patterns, we create habits, we create scripts that make sense of what happened to us, that shape us in powerful ways. We create scripts all the time. Some scripts are things like knowing what to do the first time we go into school. We go to our locker, we put our supplies away, we go to home base. A script operates in our mind and we just learn how to do that. We have a script for starting our cars in the morning. Scripts are expected behaviors for certain situations. When we come into worship, we greet somebody, we get coffee or hot chocolate, we grab popcorn and we sit down and we get ready for worship. Some scripts, the scripts help us navigate the world. 
Now, we also create emotional scripts like the older Adam does with the memories of his father. We make meaning out of all the stuff that happens to us. We live out our scripts and we project those onto others. And depending upon what our scripts tell us, we can become people that are bound and stuck. Distorted scripts do damage to us and other people. It's how older Adam got stuck in anger with a distorted picture of how his father treated him. It was a distorted script that his father was never there for him. Older Adam couldn't see the truth anymore. He couldn't see what is, and he became trapped in his assumptions. Struggling couples tell themselves their spouse never supports them and never assumes the best for them. And this script plays out, and even if the spouse does something to support them, they can't see it because that other script keeps playing in their head. They are stuck. The action gets filtered through that distorted script. An alcoholic, an addict plays the script. They're not really addicted. They have control when all the evidence and damage says otherwise. The script does the heavy lifting. These assumptions do damage to us, to the people that we love, and those that we work with. When we act out of a distorted script, we don't see what's true. We are hiding, we are blaming. The older Adam blamed his father for distorted memories. It wasn't true. It was true a little bit that his father didn't spend time with Adam. But the older Adam twisted it to an even worse script. Our scripts blind us to what is true in our lives. Friends, we've got to change our scripts. We need to rewrite our distorted scripts in our minds. Just like our movies, our favorite movies and television shows have dramatic rewrites of dialogue and plots and events to make the story better, our own lives, our own minds, our own thoughts sometimes need dramatic rewrites of scripts that are distorted. We need to face the truth and see like Adam, his father was there for him at times. Struggling couples need to own up to their own roles and issues and see the times the other was indeed supporting them. Alcoholics and addicts must face the truth of their reality. They need help. They need outside help to change their behaviors. The good news, friends, is that we can rewrite our scripts. We can change. We don't need to live out of distorted scripts forever. We can't travel to the past, but we can change the future by choosing to change distorted scripts. Our distorted scripts can be helped, as Paul notes, as we change what we're thinking about. We fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure. Think about stuff that is excellent and worthy of praise. That will help distorted scripts. In this film and in our lives, our distorted scripts can be corrected and faced with other people. Young Adam helps older Adam to change his script. We have people around us, family and friends, Pastors and counselors and therapists that help us face the distorted scripts and thought patterns we've let creep into our own lives. We can way too easily believe the messages that some other people have told us. It might be parents or friends or other loved ones. We might have internalized this message that it's not okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to be vulnerable or to trust anyone. It's not okay to depend on anyone for anything. It's not okay to trust yourself. It's not okay to have your own needs. It's not okay to have your own feelings and identity. These become distorted scripts in our lives, these messages we received that do damage to us and to others. Instead, we need to live out Paul's words to fix our minds and things that are true and honorable. The truth is this. 
You are good. You are a child of God. You are wanted. You are accepted. You are loved for yourself. You are chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. You are redeemed and forgiven. You are safe. Your presence matters. You are Christ's friend. These are the thoughts that should be driving our lives. These are the thoughts we should not only focus and meditate on, but find ways to make them true in the world, true in places and for people that don't find these to be true today. How do we go and make these messages? How do we go and make these truths true in homes and places near and far where they are not right now? The calling of us, of Christians, is to make disciples wherever we find ourselves planted. Disciples who come to see that you, yes, you are a beloved child of God, loved, wanted, redeemed, and forgiven. It's to make those messages much more powerful and drown out all the negative scripts we've got on repeat in our head. Say it with me again. It's on the screen. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We cannot change the past. We can change the future by choosing to fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and lovely. In the film, after Adam, Adam's father runs into these two Adams, at 41 years old and 11 years old, Adam's father has changed. Adam's father is effective. He took to heart the message from his older son that he wasn't there enough for him. And so he asked for some honest feedback from his wife. With the help of his spouse, he confronts the truth that he does need to be more present with his son and with his family. He doesn't need to be perfect, he doesn't, his son doesn't need the perfect father, he just needs you. That, friends, is the power of presence in our lives. Adam's father was starting to build a script that he needed to be a perfect father, and his wife pushes back immediately and says, no, you don't. He just needs to be with you, to be you, with him and with us when you're here. Now, if Adam's father can do this, he can very well change the future for that older Adam into one who is not one who is angry, but remembers that anger distorts and grief heals. You know, there may be no time that we're living in like right now when it is so very hard to be present to be with the people we are with. We have devices that demand our attention always with beeps and phone calls that pull us out of the moment and the interactions of the people that are right face-to-face with us. The people choosing to spend time right in front of us in this very moment of time. It is learning the lesson to live in the moment with the people that we are with. Luckily, we follow a Savior who is the embodiment of living in the present. In the book of Matthew, in one of his longer teachings called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus encourages us not to worry about the future, but to spend time in the present in today. After Jesus teaches about serving God over money, Jesus says, don't worry about clothes or food or drink. Jesus says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. He will give you everything you need. 
Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus lived his teachings, friends. He managed, even knowing what was coming for him on the cross, as someone who lived in the present moment. N.T. Wright, the scholar, noted that Jesus wasn't always looking ahead to what's next, anxiously awaiting whatever is around the next corner. No, he seemed to have the skill of living totally in the present, giving attention to the task right in front of him, celebrating the goodness of God in every moment. We as Christ followers are expected to choose to be people in the present, letting God influence us right here and now, who can celebrate God's goodness in this moment. We make God a priority in our lives. We carve out times for worship, for groups to serve, to be shaped by this God who made an incredibly beautiful creation. Our God is not one who is distant from the world, who doesn't care about beauty or life or food or clothes. Our God filled the world with beauty and wonderful and mysterious things, with energy and excitement, who wants every single being to trust God, to love God, and to receive their own beauty, energy, and excitement from God. This happens as we put our priorities in the right place. In this scripture, Jesus does not say food and drink and clothes don't matter. No, he's saying if you shoot for these things first, you're only going to get moth-eaten clothes as a result. Put God first, he says, and the world is thrown in. We need to be people of the present, seeking God's goodness in all that we do. And then we find food and drink and clothing look after themselves. Friends, we cannot change the past, but we can change the future through the power of presence, living in each moment with God and with our people, with all the beauty and excitement and energy God has for us to impact our corner of the world, our circles for Jesus. You know, when we choose to focus our minds on the things that are good and noble and praiseworthy, when we live in the present moment with God, without anxiety for tomorrow, we're going to find Jesus. Jesus will remind us of things we need to let go of. There is power in letting go. We are people that carry around so much stuff, things that we should have let go a long time ago. We still carry around anger from someone who has died long ago. And the only one harmed by our anger now is ourselves and our loved ones. We carry around bitterness from that slight decades ago. We carry the guilt and shame from things we wish we would have said and done, but we didn't. We carry anxiety and worry from what's going to happen tomorrow, things we can't even control in the slightest. We carry so many things we're not designed to carry. Once we face the truth about ourselves in the present, Jesus shows us we're not designed. We are no way designed to carry the burdens that we do. Just a little later in the book of Matthew, Jesus invites all of us, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now in Jesus' day, other religious leaders would talk about carrying the yoke of the Torah. That's the first five books in your Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
That's a whole mess of Jewish law with all kinds of commandments to carry around on your shoulders and your backs to make sure that you follow. Instead, Jesus says, follow me, the one who is, requires mercy and love. That's it. Jesus' yoke is mercy and love. He offers rest, a gentleness, and a warmth to all who turn to him, especially those weighed down by burdens, moral burdens, physical burdens, financial burdens, emotional burdens, whatever it is. Friends, today it is time to let go. It's time to let go of whatever burdens have been holding you back, scripts that have been running in your head that are simply wrong, they're untrue. It's time to bring it to the altar, to lay it down, to start fresh with Jesus, the one whose yoke is mercy and love, who expects us to go and show mercy and love likewise. Don't carry this around anymore. That's God's word for you today. Whatever it is, whatever burden you refuse to lay down, don't carry it around anymore. Adam's father's words are right from God's mouth to your heart today. You are my child. I love you. I loved you from your first step. That will never change. You are amazing. I love you. I am proud of you. Know that deep inside your heart. We can't change the past, but we can change the future with Jesus through the power of choice, of presence, and of letting go. As you come for communion today, whatever burden you're carrying for far too long, lay it down. Lay down your burdens at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we cannot travel to the past, but we can direct. We can change our future with you. Make us aware of our distorted scripts as we fix our thoughts on things that are pure and honorable and true and praiseworthy. We may, we may be so courageous. May we be courageous to lay down our heavy burdens at your feet so we can live out your mercy your love in all things. We pray together this morning in the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.